Hi guys, it's Trevor Tulliber here and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. With your departure in 1987, it would be five years, incredibly, that you would return to Chelsea in 92. You signed from Rangers, I believe the fee was just under £500,000. Was you surprised that this move happened at the time? And again, how did the initial discussion start about you returning to Stamford Bridge? Um, I just got a phone call from uh, my agent, um, who I'd only ever used an agent to go to Scotland because there's a little bit of difference in ha- how the contracts are in in uh, the English League to Scottish League. So I thought I had to get someone, so I got an agent. I, otherwise, I always did an accountant and um, solicitor to do deals for me. Um, and I got a phone call and he just said, oh, Ken Bates has been on the phone, uh, wants to take you back to... Um, Chelsea and Ken had come to the cup final at the end of the previous season where I was playing for Rangers um, and we beat we won the we won the cup final so we did the double run the league and, and cup and Ken was there um, I didn't know he was there but someone said oh Ken was here sent his regards to you so he must have shot off um, and uh, I thought oh that's nice so he'd got in touch with the, uh, with my agent to see if I was interested in going back now um, Rangers is a magnificent football club. I'd won th- three back-to-back titles, part of the nine in a row, won the double a couple of years as well, won the League Cup. So it's just been success after success after. And Rangers is such a magnificent club. Um, I mean, Chelsea and Rangers now have quite a tie-up, which is really good. Um, but, you know, it was always going to be tough to leave there. Now, the problem they had, Walter Smith had, was that he had a lot of players... But in those days, there was the th- uh, three foreigner rule in Europe, yeah. and um, he had he had myself, uh, Trevor Stephen, Gary Stevens, Mark Hately, uh, four of us. Mark Waters had left and gone to Liverpool. There's four, of them. and then he had Mikhailo Chenko, who was uh, from Ukraine, who was a wonderful footballer who's come from Italy as well. So he had at least he had at least six foreign players. I think it's probably more than that, but at least at least six foreign players, um, which was fine in the Scottish League, but to play in the European Cup or Champions League, as it was, um, he, he was really struggling to do it. Now, I was very lucky in my years at uh, Rangers. Um, I only missed one European game because Graeme Sooner said, look, we've already qualified. He said to myself and Richard Goff, he said, I'm going to give others um, a, a chance because we've already qualified. And Goffey went, well, as long as we get our bonuses, we don't mind. So he said, oh, you'll get your bonuses. That's fine. So <laughs> that was the only game. So I was lucky in that way. And, and Walter had always played me. Graham had already, already played me. So, But it came to that point where you think, when, when, do you, when do you move? Or do you just stay here in Glasgow? Because, you know, myself and my family loved it. It was a great place. Um, winning is always good. Being involved in Europe is always good. But came to that point where you think you've got to make a decision. Um, and uh, I thought, OK, spoke, spoke to Walter. I think it was international break or something like that. And um, he said, look, I don't want you to go. 
he said, but I can't guarantee you're going to play, you know, going forward. Um, but, you know, the, the decision is yours, really. So in the end, um, Chelsea made me a good offer uh, to come back. And I came back and, um, you know, that that was it. But unfortunately, when you get back somewhere and you think it hasn't moved on from where you left it, maybe even gone backwards in terms of uh, the way things were, um, it was quite a shock to me. Um, but you get on with it. Unfortunately, I got an injury early when I came back from back, which, in, which I still suffer from these days. And uh, it took a lot of rehab to try and get back fit. But, hey, I, I carried on playing until, what, 96, 97. Mm. Um, you know, I was coming up, what, uh, 30, 38, I was thinking I was coming up. So I, I recovered from it well, but I was never the player that I was before the injury, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, Chelsea got better, got stronger. Uh, the likes of Rude Hullet come in, Mark Hughes came in, Terry Phelan came in, Dan Petrescu came in, Glenn Hoddle came in, and things started to change. And then you could see where Chelsea are today. That was the beginning of where Chelsea have gone um, and hopefully will we'll continue to. You mentioned him just then, Glenn Hoddle. He came in in the summer of 93 as manager. He came from Swindon. Yeah. Was you excited with him coming in because of how he was as a player and obviously you working with him? Was you excited? Was there a bit of a buzz around the dressing room that he was going to come in? I think there was a bit of a uh, a buzz, but I think also a bit of, well, um, you know, Glenn likes to play this way. Now are we going to play that way? Who's going to come in with him, et cetera, et cetera. The big thing for me, I knew Glenn because I played against Glenn many, many times. Um, and in what a footballer he was. But I love playing against him because I like to get physical with him, try and nick the ball off him. If you give him time and space, he just chip it out to the left wing or centre forward or a bit of backspin on it. Um, but um, unfortunately, I was still injured. And Glenn came in. Um, so it was a little bit of, oh, I want to get fit because I want to play in his team. I know how he wants to play. He Actually, when I met him, he said, look, this is how I want to play. This is where I see you playing. It's ideal for the way you play. I said, yeah, Glenn, but I'm not fit. I said, I've had this back injury. I can't get fit enough, blah, blah, blah. He said, right, OK. So he said, OK, but this is how I want you to play. If we can get you fit, this is what I said, OK, that's great. That's super down to the ground. And then obviously Rude, Rude came in and Dan, um, Terry Phelan. So you know that he's going to play with three at the back, wing backs. And he wanted me to be the, the more defensive midfield player that everybody's crying out for today. Everybody's going for 100 odd million in the position that I play. So I better get my boots back out. I think I might get a contract, especially at Chelsea. They might give me a six-year contract or something. But anyway, but Glenn come in and um, I thought he he tried to play the way he wanted to play with play some of the players who weren't capable of quite playing that way. And he had to change it a little bit, change it to a diamond shape in midfield with Gavin Peacock at the tip of that. Wisey became more of a tucked-in player rather than the wide player because he didn't want to play with wingers, really. Um so things started to develop and Glenn played himself and played very well. Um, but some players got on with Glenn, some players didn't get on with Glenn. And that's just that's just where football football is. And, um, you know, I, I think he he started to get things right with, with more transfer funds to bring in the players that he wanted. And I think Mark Hughes was very important in that to give you a, a centre forward you could play off. Um and and then things got things got slowly got better. Um, but he was under a bit of pressure, Glenn, because some of the results hadn't gone well. But people didn't realise in the background 
the work he was doing at the training ground, getting a gym put in there, getting masseurs in, getting getting the club to move into the 21st century, really, and get Ken Bates to spend some of the money, uh, and then obviously Matthew Harding to spend some of his money and make the club better. But to make the club better, you really need to get results. And that was the balancing act, really, going forward. But I I think, if you ask me, Glenn was instrumental, along with Matthew and, and Ken together, to take the club forward. And for you personally, how tough was it to miss out on the 94 Cup final? Albeit, barring the result, as it was, but for you as a player and for what you've won in the past, how difficult was it to adapt being on the sidelines well, that was that, final. that was tough because I'd I, I was coming back. I was playing games, playing. I thought I was playing quite well within doing my fitness regime and 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 training and playing. I mean, I was in I was in training an hour plus before everybody else in the mornings to go in and do my 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 session that I need to do, do my stretches, blah blah. Before we went training, then I'd be another hour afterwards doing my warm down and stuff. Uh, which players do these days because they all have fitness programs. But I was doing that back then. And I thought I was ready to play in that. And playing against Man United, playing against, you know, my old mate, Brian Robson, um, I thought, yeah, that, that would be absolutely amazing. But we only had three subs and Glenn decided to pick himself. Um, uh, I think Kevin Hitchcock and Tony Cascarino, I think, were the three subs. And I wasn't even on the bench. So I thought I deserved to start the game. I think with my experience in a cup final at Wembley. A lot of those lads got caught in the in the headlights a little bit. It was mm. pouring down with rain, the whole thing. And uh, I didn't enjoy the experience, I have to say. I did a bit of TV stuff because they asked me to do it. But I just wanted to be out on the pitch playing against Man United in another cup final. And uh, it was really disappointing for me. But, hey, the manager chooses the team. We got badly beaten. Um, but, you know, I'd rather have been out there getting beaten than standing, uh, sat in the stand having a having a cup of tea or maybe a beer <laughs> or maybe two <laughs> it was it was the next season though that was quite influential with you in terms of the amount of games that you played and you even took the captain's armband on on a couple of occasions but also Chelsea were in the cup winners cup that year mm. and there were some some notable results there firstly how big of an accomplishment was it to get the captain's armband albeit for a a few days, or sorry, a few games. And what was it like to play in Europe for Chelsea? Well, let me, I'll, I'll do the first bit first. I mean, being, I, I'd been captain at Chelsea in my first spell when Colin Pates uh, was out injured or um, uh, suspended anyway. And at Glasgow Rangers, I'd lifted the, uh, the, the championship trophy being captain as well. So that didn't phase me. I was always, if I was captain, I was captain. If I, if I wasn't captain, I was still captain because I, talk to players on the pitch and try and get players into position or say, come on, let's keep the ball for a bit. So that side of it didn't, didn't phase me at all. Um, I think you just have to have a respect to the players around you for that one. But um, <clears throat> it's always great to have, wear the armband uh, and represent your club. But I've tried to do that without the armband as well. But um, the European trip was fantastic. There's nothing like, like it for a player. But I think as, as a supporter as well, I think going to... Yeah, go, going to Europe and playing in Belgium and Holland or um, Norway, wherever you may go, or Spain, um, you know, Austria. It, it was just special times. And I was lucky enough to do that in the uh, old European Cup Champions League. And I was doing it for Chelsea in the 
Cup Winners' Cup as well. So um, it was a special time and it was a new thing for us. And um, we did exceptionally well. We just fell at the final hurdle, um, you know, which was a shame. If we could have got to the final, it had just been absolutely astonishing, really. But um, we came up against Real Zaragoza, who went on and won it, as you know, beat Arsenal in the final. Um, and we just didn't, we just didn't perform uh, out there as as we could have done, as we should have done, and we made it really tough for ourselves. And in the end, they were too good for us, and and deserved to go through. But you know, it was, it was a great journey. But to if we could have got to the final for the fans and for us as players, it would have been just amazing. Now, in your last season at Chelsea, one oh, can I to... before before oh, I, course, I just. Go on. I just want to say the game out in Austria where John Spencer scores, Spenny. Oh, that just, fabulous run. Yes. Yeah, that was from, from um, their corner. And uh, <laughs> I had to play, I think Jakob Kilberg got injured, so I went back and played a centre-back mm. as well. Wisey was suspended. Shock. Um, <laughs> and But uh, their, their corner in, it gets knocked out and... Uh, hooked on and then Spenny's running after. Now, yeah. I recommended John Spencer to Chelsea because he was at Rangers with me. And uh, he obviously came to um, to Chelsea before I came back from Rangers. And um, he's a great wee guy and uh, could score a goal for fun. And uh, the ball broke and it was absolutely freezing there. I don't know if you were there, but the fans who were there, it was cold. But running around on the pitch is not a problem. And... Um, the ball gets stopped and they're going spinning and I'm at the back thing. go on we man, go on we man, you can do it, you can do it. And he keeps going and keeps going, go on, you can do it. And then I knew when he got to the last defender, what he was going to do, he's going to drop the shoulder that way and bang it. And he did it. And I was just like, that was amazing because I knew what he was going to do. But did he have the legs? Did he have the power in his legs that, you know, to continue that? Because he'd run so far. And when that went in, that was just amazing. The supporters went crazy. We went crazy. And just thinking, now we've just got to hold on you've got to hold on here and we did that was just an amazing game and an amazing trip and uh Spenny was my roommate as well so uh yeah it was it was great great times because you also had the game against Club Bruges as well and even yeah. the, sort of the return game at Stamford Bridge the atmosphere you know yeah. needing the win because of the first leg was a defeat but and to go through from there just Special moments. I mean, we've had yet we've had Jakob Kilberg on on the show before talking about it, and it was yeah. just that particular period. It was something new to the players. Obviously, the fans didn't experience it sort of much before. Yeah. But as the club, as you, you know, there was other players in the team that have mentioned it before. The club was going up, and in yeah. terms of the experience of having these type of matches, just yeah. fantastic memories. Oh, great memories, and they live with you for the rest of your lives. But you know, you also have mates, supporters who went to Bruges and got blasted with water cannons and all that stuff and tickets taken off them. And all. You know all those stories and it's disgraceful um, when you look back, but you get told those stories. So it makes you even more determined, if you could be more determined, to win the second leg and get through. And I think I'd been ill and uh, I hadn't played at the weekend, but um, I played. Glenn said, are you OK? And I said, yeah. And um, I think I was just... R- running on experience, to be fair. And we won that game. Um, had plenty of chances in the end. But I think, was it Craig Burley who scored? Who scored? I can't remember who scored the the, the goal. And uh, But that was just an amazing... The, the, the atmosphere that night was really tense. You're under the floodlights, wanting to get through. Um, we could turn it around and, and, and we did. And uh, yeah, great experiences and, and, and great stories, yeah. Now, your last season... Sort of- 
we'll touch on it because funny enough when i was doing my research it came up on the video and i thought i might as well mention it when we was playing against arsenal at stanford bridge and what uh, what game what game it was your it was your first t- first time you got sent off for chelsea and it was a an altercation with a certain martin keown you got sent off um it was funny enough i was speaking to a couple of chelsea fans who were there and they said that they were part of the lot that applauded you off for, for pretty much thanking you for for punching martin in the in the head <laughs> What happened on, on, on that particular occasion and why was there never a rematch? <laughs> uh, well, um, it was, I, I obviously work for BTTNT and I do loads of um, other stuff. But I see Martin now and again and I actually ended up scouting for Glenn for England when uh, I'm watching Martin play and getting in the England squad and then being away with the England squad. Uh, and chatting to him anyways. But, you know, that happens in football. But that's the only time I've ever been sent off, not just for Chelsea, ever. And that's the only time I ever got banned. I never got banned for bookings or anything. That was just the one time I got a three-match ban uh, for punching mine. And I didn't realise until probably five years ago, Martin Keown was actually playing in midfield for Arsenal that day. I didn't actually know that. Everybody thinks he's a centre-back and he said I don't know what I was doing in the middle of the park he said just it was just um, Bruce Rioch who was the manager before Arsene Wenger that's right put him in midfield and uh, Martin wasn't the best on the ball he was he was aggressive blah 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 we all know that sort of stuff but um, he tried to elbow me and he missed he missed with the elbow right in front of the referee so I pulled pulled it and went for the ball again and he pulled me back so I just lost it and punched him right in front of the ref I thought the ref was going to give a free kick I think it was Martin Bodenham who I've chatted to about that. And I said, why didn't you just give the free kick? And he went, I try to let the game go. I said, yeah, but he's pulled my shirt. He's tried to elbow me in the face. You should have stopped the game. Anyway, history tells you that I got sent off. And it was a sunny day. And when he pulls out the card and goes like that, I'm looking, thinking, hope it's a yellow. Hope it's, I knew it was a red. And I think Martin Keown was lying on the floor. And why is he just uh, stood all over him? Um, <laughs> and the Arsenal players come up and... Uh, what happened? Because they know me, you know Tony Adams, uh, and that. What happened? And as I said, he tried to help me, so I just punched him. So off I go, stand elevation from the bridge, <laughs> go in the dressing room. We're one nil up. Hadn't beaten Arsenal for ages, I don't think. Mm. I'm thinking, come on, lads, you can do it, you can do it. And then the relief of the um, the final whistle going, and then the lads coming back in, and there was scuffles in the tunnel and all that stuff, and with Martin Kelly, and then. Um, David Rowcastle, a uh, great friend of mine, Rocky, uh, and he rented a house near where I lived in, in Windsor. So we got really friendly. He used to go out for a beer. He used to, on a Saturday night sometimes, he'd come and knock, knock on the door, say, right, here's a bottle of Bud, we're going out. I said, OK, off we go. He said, see him, love him, going out for a few drinks. He liked to end up in the kebab shop as well, Rocky, at the end of the night, but I wasn't into that. Uh, let you have the kebab, I'll have the beer. But um, he was a great guy, Rocky. And uh, Ian Wright used to come around a great, friends with Rocky from their schoolboy days and obviously their Arsenal days. We used to play cards, play um, frustration, you know, all these stupid games we'd play and have a few beers, have a barbecue with the kids and families. And um, anyway, what happened? Rocky come in and see, see me and he said, you're right. I went, yes. 
he said, he's horrible. You know, you know, normal stuff that people would say, you yeah, know, he deserved it. They're going, no, it's just stupid. I lost my head for the first time and punched him. And obviously didn't punch him hard enough. He got up and carried on. Um, but uh, went in the players' bar afterwards. I'm in the players' bar with Rocky and he said, have a beer. I said, okay, let's have a beer, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, um, oh, before that, Glenn, Glenn came in, dressing room, and said, you'll find two weeks' wages for that. What are you doing doing that? And I went, you can't find me two weeks' wages for punching him. And all the lads were like, hey, you find me two weeks' wages anyway, which I gave to charity, Great Ormond Street. Anyway, so um, anyway, went for the beer with Rocky in the players' bar, and Ian Wright comes in, and he's going, all right, right, here went, yeah. He said, what do you hit Bob for? What do you hit Bob for? I went, hey, what are you on about? What do you what do you hit Bob for? And I'm going, Rocky, what's he on about? He said, what do you hit Bob for? And I went, what are you on about, right? He went, Keown, Bob, Brain of Britain, Brain of Britain, Keown. He said, what are you hitting for? And I went, I was like, that broke the eyes. I was just laughing with socks of me, Rocky and Wright, just laughing, having a beer. And I, but they can used to call him Bob. And I said that to him, and according to you, Bob, he went, yeah, that's an old one, you know. But, um, you know, they used to call him Bob, Brain of Britain, Keown. But anyway, so that that was the most I don't know, the best all Chelsea fans remind me of that, want to know the story. So I've just given it out there to you all. Um and it was a, it was an embarrassment in a way, but we won the game, that was the main thing. But I've got to find two week wages. Brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing that, especially obviously what the afterwards with uh chatting to Rocky and Wrighty. You would you would leave Chelsea again, it was in the summer of ninety six, a gal looking at the obviously with, with the injuries as well. And you, you mentioned before about your back, was it a case of this was the time where you felt that maybe coaching would be your best option going forward? Well, you have to think I was 37. Basically, Ruth was going to take over and manage from Glenn. Glenn had offered me a contract and I never pushed this with Chelsea because he offered me another year's contract before he took the England job. So really I could have gone to them and said, look, I've already been offered a year's contract. You're going to stick by that, but I didn't. So I had a meeting with with uh, Rude and Colin Hutchinson, and Rude said, "Look, back as he said, I'm going to bring in players." He said, um, "I want you to stay, uh, and I think you know, I'd like you to do the reserves." And I said, "I said, yeah, but will I get a chance playing in the first team? I want to still play." And he went, "I don't know." So I thought about it, and maybe I should have thought about it a bit more. But I got an offer from Howard Kendall at uh, Sheffield United. And I thought, yeah, well, you know, I'm getting on now. I, I need to start doing my coaching badges. I need to go into that side. And there's no real better English manager to go and learn off than Howard Kendall. You know, he, he'd done a fantastic job at Everton, um, was doing a good job at Sheffield United. And so I had a meeting with him and he said, look, I want you to become my player assistant manager and go from there. It was a bit of an upheaval to leave and go to um, to Sheffield. And uh, originally, my family were going to stay in London or stay in Windsor. But when I got there, I thought, no, I, I need my family there as well to make me settle in. Otherwise, I'd always done that when I've moved clubs, was make sure you buy a house, your family settled better, and it's easier for you. So I ended up going to Sheffield. Um, but looking back, maybe I should have gone, well, you'd never know what direction a club's going to go in. So if you, in hindsight, you look at there and say, okay, Rude was taking over. I got on very well with Rude, so that wouldn't have been a problem. But did I really want to do coaching the reserves and I wanted to play? And maybe looking back and saying, you know, my back wasn't great. I should have stayed and done what 
Rude asked me to do or wanted me to do, which was um, to take the reserves. Um, but hindsight, I went to Sheffield United, had a great time at Sheffield with um, with Howard. Uh, the team were great. Uh, the lads were good. Were really good lads there. The support at Sheffield United was amazing. Um, really good traditional club. Great to see them back in the in the Premier League now. Hopefully they stay up. It's going to be tough, but hopefully they stay up. But it was um, Sheffield. I, I lived out um, in a place called Door, which was which right on the hills on the Peak District. It was it was beautiful, beautiful place um, to live. Um, and the club was getting better. Howard was doing a good job, um, and I played. I played a bit, and then um, we got to the playoff final, and we played against Crystal Palace at Wembley. And I, I was playing, and uh, we got beat one nil by Crystal Palace. Ninetieth minute, David Hopkin, God bless him, the coffee. He killed one inch, killed one in the top corner. I think it was about eighty-eight minutes, eighty-nine minutes. I went hoppy and he went, sorry, Spackers. He went, sorry. I went, oh, don't be sorry. I said, that was a great finish, you know. But that was then too. And I, I got taken off because they put a subject on and we had a chance, didn't get back into it. So um, it was just a shame because it could have been back in the in the Premier League. In the Premier League. Um, and that, you know, that one match. Um, so that was really disappointing. Disappointing for the club, disappointing for Howard. But then Howard got um, the chance to go back to Everton. So he ended up taking the chance to go back to Everton. And uh, as I was player assistant manager, they asked me to take the pre-season, et cetera, et cetera. So I was basically caretaker manager. Um, we did so well pre-season. Uh, the tour was all sorted out to go to um, Norway, Scandinavia. I did really well on our tour. I was able to bring in Brian Dean from um, Leeds United, who was out of contract. It was the start of the Bosman uh, yes, thing right. where where he could come out um, free transfer uh, got him away um, and got some other players in to go with the squad we had and uh, we started the season really well we beat uh, Peter Reid Sunderland at home the live game on the Sunday we beat them one nil at home and then uh, we we won the next game as well and then they offered me a full time contract but they wanted to give me less money than I was on as a player so that didn't really work out and they um, and the guy who was in charge, a guy called Charles Green, was really hard work, who ended up going to Rangers and ruined Rangers for a few years as well. It was very hard for me to manage with him there. And we were doing so well. We were doing well in the Cup. We got to, ended up getting to the FA Cup semifinals. I got into the quarterfinals and then resigned because he, he sold Brian Dean and Jan Fjortov on the same day on a Thursday before we played Wolves on a Saturday. We won 1-0. Um, and then they sold Don Hutchinson the next week to Everton. Uh, without. So I, I had no control over the management of the club because they were just selling. So I carried on. We won the next game as well, won the next game. And then they said, well, we're going to sell somebody else. Blah, blah, blah. So they're just making it impossible to manage, really. And the group of lads were fantastic. They'd come in and say, anybody else been sold today? You know, every morning. So it was quite... a in you know the joke within the group was is everybody here this morning but they kept doing well really well i i resigned they got to the fa cup semi-final and lost to newcastle at old trafford one nil but played really well and then they got finished sixth so they got into playoffs where really i think if they left me alone and left the manager i think we'd have got promotion that year the ads were so good they just dropped away because of the board. obviously all the chopping and changing 
and um, I uh, I resigned. But it was a great experience for me. Um, but maybe in hindsight, you think, well, maybe you should have stayed there and seen the season out rather than resigning. Um, so, you know, coming back to your question about Chelsea, they offered me the the job as reserve team manager under Rude. I took the other route to Sheffield United and it worked out really well for me to a point. But then with the interference of um, chairman and chief executives, it became very difficult. And unfortunately, after that, um, the management side didn't go so well for me at Barnsley or at Millwall. And uh, then you think, well, you're not going to get another chance. You might as well do the media. So I do, I do the media now, enjoy that side of it. But there's nothing like playing, then managing and then coaching. The next, the best thing is um, being in the media. Hey, guys, this is Keith Lawrence, the creator of the Blue Day podcast here. And this is a special message to tell you of one of our new sponsors for the podcast, We'd like to welcome Fanatics, the leading sports manufacturer of online licensed sportswear and merchandise. They range from football, soccer, Formula One, NBA, and so much more. Now, this is the best part. If you want to get your hands on some swag, go to the Blue Day Podcast Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast and on our Twitter page at the Blue Day Pod. For all the necessary links. Come on. What are you waiting for? Carefree. Well, one thing that wasn't part of the game when you was playing, and partly, thank God, it wasn't, was VAR. So, yeah. sort of just touch on it briefly, your thoughts on VAR. Are you a fan of it? Is there anything that you would like to be changed about it in terms of the concept? Because it's still, you know, it's, it's been around for a couple of seasons now, and it's still causing controversy. Well, I think it's too complicated, that's why. I think if you look back, nobody wanted the goal line technology. Um, but when the goal line technology came in and it's as simple, was it over the line, was it over? I think the fundamental thing, was it a goal, wasn't it a goal? That's worked perfectly, if the watch is working. <laughs> but, I, yeah, but I think that's worked, probably. I think VAR now is spoiling the game for a lot of people. It's spoiling it for spectators supporters, fans, whatever you want to call them. People pay their money to go and watch the game. But it's also spoiling it for some of the players who you don't know whether to celebrate the goal. The manager doesn't know whether to celebrate properly. The whole thing. And, you know, every week we have problems with it. I think they have to simplify what they're using VAR for. And in that would be, was it was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? Um, was Should it have been a sending off? Shouldn't it have been a sending off? I think they need to find a balance between all these other things. Um, can it be referred? Can't it be referred? All these things. Um, but in the end, we're going to, AI is going to be doing it for us anyway, so we can't argue with them, can we? But um, I just think that they really need to have a good look at VAR and go, we need to simplify this because it's taking over the game and it's spoiling the game for so many people. Speaking of spoiling the game for many people, we'll talk about Chelsea of today in 2023. <laughs> Interesting summer, to say the least, and it seems the problems are still there. You can change the manager, you can change the players, but it seems the problems are still there. How have you found watching Chelsea over the last, well, we'll, we'll talk about the last sort of few seasons, how much it has changed, obviously with the ownership that has changed. But in, t in terms of obviously this season, what's been your take on Chelsea of 2023? Um, I was at the Luton game. Uh, came and watched against Luton. Was doing the um, 
CS, um, Chelsea TV. Um, but I do go to the games, obviously, doing the media stuff for different companies. But I was at the Luton game. Um, I thought it was a game that Chelsea have to win this game. No disrespect to Luton. Uh, the only way Luton are going to stay up is by winning their home games, I feel, and being staying as a team. For Chelsea, I thought, how do I put it? Some very talented individuals, not a team yet. And really the structure of play seems to me to be so complicated. I think they need, you know, Pochettino, from, I'm not telling him how to play his team, but I see sometimes you need to simplify things for players, especially young players. And there's so many young players within this group, talented young players. Um, it doesn't happen uh, help when the likes of Reese James is out injured and unfortunately keeps getting injured because you think, well, he's going to be my main man on this side of being at fullback, being at wingback, whatever you're going to do. He's my main man here. And you have to keep chopping and changing. So um, trying to get to the point is that I think Chelsea have so many talented players, but it doesn't mean you're going to be a good team. Um, and you've got to get that balance right. And in the Premier League, there's no hiding place. People, And also... For youngsters, you need good senior players around you to help you. And uh, there's not enough of that, unfortunately. Uh, Silver at the back is just amazing, brilliant player. You know, how much longer can he go on? But mm. he leads by example. Um, but the leadership isn't there for me on the pitch. Uh, I think Reese James brings leadership down that side and, and the way he plays, the physicality and the quality. I think Ryan Sterling against uh, Luton played extremely well. Uh, looked back to his best and scored some goals. Um, I think Jackson worked really hard up front, um, but still learning the game. And it's always difficult to learn when you're up against good players, not against Luton so much, but against top players. And you're trying to um, make your way and get your confidence. It's very, very difficult. And then you've got players coming off the bench who are very similar. Um, but look, th there's there's a good team in there somewhere. But it takes time to build that for Chelsea, I think. And so many players are under pressure now. But I have look at the other side of it and say, Chelsea have brought in a lot of young players on long contracts. And I think it's a very, very debatable way to go because I think people can be very happy just to take their money if they're not careful. If they don't have the drive from within, if you, if you don't have the... I really want to get to the top. I really want to play for Chelsea. I really want to play in the Champions League. I really want to do... It's got to come from within side. And sometimes when it's made too easy for you because you're still going to get the same money over the next six, seven, eight years, what is the motivation sometimes? That would be my question. But that's the way Chelsea want to do it. That's the way it's going. Oh, that's the way... I don't say Chelsea, but the owners want to go. Um, but we have to see if it works because the proof would be in the pudding, won't it? Of course, and I think it'll be a, a bit of an interesting season to see which players are going to gel quickly, which seems yeah. what players are going to d develop quickly to the terms of you can't just be potentially good in no. your career. There's got to be a point where you've got to be at that Abs level. Absolutely, and the, fa the fans will drive that. They will demand that. But the thing is, Pochettino comes into a club he doesn't really know, the supporters he doesn't know, only from a distance being at Tottenham or being at Southampton. And he's got to buy into that culture of what Chelsea fans' expectations are. And he's, he's probably trying to do his best. The one good thing for him is there's no European football. No European football. So he has time to work with those players on the training ground. But sometimes as a coach or manager, you can have far too many players to work with. 
And I think this is one of the problems that he's going to have in his coaching staff. There's so many players there, so many young players that need so much individual training. How you do that individual training and then make it into a team plan. That's very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, it's a great challenge for him. I think it's a fantastic challenge for some of the players there. But you just hope they have the hunger and the willingness to learn, the hunger that they want to go and put on the blue shirt and play for Chelsea and, and do their very best. And I'm sure they do, um, but sometimes it just doesn't show. Um, and sometimes players can try too hard. And I, I know that from experience of playing in clubs where a youngster gets a chance in the team and he, he wants to do things. I say, just do the basics right. Do the basics right. And then all those little dragbacks, those little nutmegs, all those things that come. But do the basics right. Get that pass right. Get that shot right. Get that tackle right. Win that header. All those basic things. Um, if you get the basics right, then you've got a chance. And I look at Chelsea a little bit and I go, on their day, they could probably beat anyone. But on the day, they could actually lose to anybody. And then this is a, this is a conundrum for the manager. What do you do? And first of all, for me, he's got to get his style of play there, and then say that's the best starting eleven, and I'm going to stick with it. And uh, hopefully that will take us forward. Well, well, we'll see how it goes. But I think it's, even as you say, with no European football, it still could be a very long season. Let's let's just hope. Let's just wait and see. Hopefully, things might progress, and Chelsea will have a good season under Poch. Finally, Nigel, last question. And again, thank you for coming on to the show today. How do you look back on your time at Chelsea? Um, my first spell at Chelsea was amazing, I have to say. And I think talking to some of my mates and, and supporters out there, um, when Chelsea were in the hard time, so to speak, uh, and then this group of players got thrown together under John Neal, um, it just went vroom. And uh, it, the enjoyment, the travelling up to the likes of Grimsby, Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds, wherever it was, um, you know, it, it was just people taking time off work to get in their cars and go and watch Chelsea play. And we were part of that. And it was a great time. My first spell at Chelsea was amazing. Um, I wish it. I wish the, the problems with um, Ernie Wally hadn't come into it there. But then... Maybe I wouldn't have ended up at Liverpool and, and winning things there and end up at Glasgow Rangers. So sometimes you look back and you think, well, that was meant to be. But I've had a, you know, from Bournemouth to Chelsea to Liverpool to Rangers, it was an upward spiral. Um, and then coming back to Chelsea was great. But unfortunately, as I said, um, maybe hadn't moved forward in a way that I'd expected the club to have done. But I look now and go, what a, what a club it is. Obviously, uh, fantastic players. The things they've won over the last 15, 20 years has been fantastic. But for me, that first spell at Chelsea was, was fan, absolutely fantastic with some great people. You know, I look back and say Pat Nevin, Kerry Dixon, David Speedy, um, John Bumpstead, um, Colin Pates, Eddie Nidsveski, all the, the whole group, Mickey Thomas when he came in, Doug Ruby, Joey Jones, great Great people and, um, you know, very humble people as well, which unfortunately sometimes you don't get today. Well, Nigel, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to have you on the show today. I could have listened to your stories all day in terms of your times at Chelsea across two spells. Hopefully we'll see you down at the bridge quite soon. But again, thanks very much for joining us today. I have to say, it's a pleasure, Keith. And it's always good when likes of Ashley Rolf and Joe Imani invite me. I don't have to pay for a ticket. <laughs> well there there you go Nigel all, all the best thanks Keith take care man